And welcome in to another edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, with another great episode for you this week. Joe Holtzclaw, former right tackle for the Bearcats, and back in uh, in my days in Maryville, and uh, he's been offensive line coach at, at uh, Nebraska Kearney, at Winona State, as well as uh, the University of Central Missouri, where he is now. And so he was, uh, actually, this one was recorded before AD's episode that was last week, but uh, so he was actually the first MIAA coach of, of another team, not involving the Bearcats, that I've had an opportunity to have on. Joe, great storyteller. There's all kinds of good stuff. There, there's a lot of overlap in, in knowing a few of the guys that he played with, and uh, this is a pretty fun episode. So we also give Lambo a bit of a hard time on the episode. Of course, I've had a chance to since talk to him, and uh, yeah, we're definitely going to get something done. But And I figured it was going to happen. I just like to, you know, needle him a little bit. Lambo, great guy. And uh, anyway, so <laughs> so that's good stuff. Well, let's just get to it. We'll take a quick time out. You'll come back here my chat with former Bearcat tackle Joe Holtzclaw. That's next here on Bleeding Green. Hey, Bearcat fans. This is Mel Churchman, former Bearcat coach. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. And welcome in here on Bleeding Green, and very pleased to be joined by the uh, offensive line coach at uh, Central Missouri. That's right, a current MIAA coach on Bleeding Green that's not a Bearcat coach. First time that's happened. He was number 74 for the Bearcats, uh, Joel Holtzclaw. And Joe, man, thanks so much for uh, coming on and and uh, coming on to talk some, uh, some old good uh, Bearcat football. Yeah, thanks so much, Matt, for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, and you're the first one. You're the you're the there. There's probably going to be others, but you're the first person that's not a Bearcat coach in the MIAA. So, so yeah, I'm, tree, I'm happy to have you. Grew, so, <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 happy to break the wall down for you. Hopefully, it opens up the flood the floodgates a little bit. Perfect, perfect. Well, you grew up in Sedalia. Kind of tell me about growing up in Sedalia and 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 your family and stuff. Uh, as far as growing up goes. Sure. Yeah. No, Sedalia is. Uh, you know, it's a smaller town. It's, you know, obviously it's 20, 20 minutes from Warrensburg. So uh, that was kind of crazy, you know, getting back here. But Sedalia was, you know, a smaller school. And it was the fun part about Sedalia that I remember the most was the battles that I had with Jermaine Race. And he was at Warrensburg High. And we just, you know, we had some dog fights and, you know, we'd meet in the summers and he worked at a, we both worked at a fireworks stand and I kind of got to meet him outside football and then the laughable part that you know neither one of us really were recruited to to central missouri he got pulled to pittsburgh and i took one visit and it was to northwest missouri and committed by saint joe that day whenever i left there but um my unique part of sedalia was my head football coach mark johnson um was a former northwest missouri coach actually uh so he had he had been there kind of for some of the tough years and but still loved the community he knew how special maryville was he knew you know obviously there had been some success since he had left um and then royal peterson was also a former uh, player and had ga'd and stuff there and he was my one of the assistants at my high school um, and then my d coordinator was actually from pittsburgh state so i those it was going to be one or the other as i was going through the process and um bart tatum 
I just remember stopped by, it seemed like at least twice a week, you know, for about three weeks straight. And um, I've emailed Coach Tatum every, uh, basically every fall since I left there and thanked him because I, I know how this business goes now and I know how, you know, how risky of a, of a human I was at that time. I wasn't a, a knockout um, education person. And so he took some chances on me, uh, saw some stuff in me. And like I said, I went up there and he, he was absolutely the one that got my, my act together before he took off out of there and went to Missouri Southern. Um, so very thankful for him, but he had a relationship with coach Johnson. Um, and that's what kind of made him stop by there so much. And so just those two guys as, as mentors early on are, are definitely what developed and what, you know, steered me early on. Well, tell me about kind of the recruiting process because, Hey, you know, there's no social media, there's no huddle, there's no, all of the things, you know, that there are today. What, you know, yeah, what was that like? (laughs) It was a different world. You know, I, I laugh about it and we all, we were all different people then. And, you know, I know there was messages left on my phone at home, you know, from, from some other schools that I remember. And, it's just the only, you know, the only one that consistently came by and saw me was, was coach Tatum. And, uh, he, he did the groundwork, you know, that was, there's still something lost to that, you know, people that are only recruiting on Twitter right now, I think you can still get in and and win some hearts over if you spend a little time out on the road and getting to know guys. But, um, yeah, coach Tatum, he would swing by and he had his big Texas draw and I'd never heard anyone talk like that before. And, uh, he had some rings on his finger and some rings in a box and was, was really talking about what the, you know, what that program was. And they were trying to, you know, they were trying to re regrow back. It was obviously 98, 99 was awesome. And then they, you know, they dipped a little bit. And so the big push was they were going to get some guys in and you can't tell it on here, but I'm not, I'm not as big as uh, some of those guys that were on the team then, you know, when I walked in on my visit up there, my dad walked into the locker room and Seth Wand was in there and Alex Tuttle and Kenneth Ebo. And those guys were all four or five inches taller than I was and (laughs) 40 pounds heavier. And uh, we were basically being brought in for a transition of, of what type of football we were about to start playing Um, with Boda you know, Boda ended up leaving after the first semester that I was there. And uh, we kind of transitioned into a power football team after that. And so I fit that mold a lot better. I came from a veer offense with, you know, in a four point stance, sprinting off the ball. And uh, probably in my heart thought I was going to go up there and play D tackle because um, that's more what I was structured as. And then uh, got switched over to offense and loved every minute of it. So. Well, what, looking back to high school, do you have any favorite games or or favorite memories? Yeah. I mean, Warrensburg was such a rivalry and I, you know, it's, it's kind of what brought me back here was just the, the love and the hate between Warrensburg and um, Marshall was kind of the other one. And so the other piece to it, and you'll remember we had Sean Wells come in um, from Rolla that, you know, transferred in from Rolla and I played Sean Wells in high school too. And that was one of the most memorable games um, was against him because 
I was playing D tackle and I was a good, I was a good D tackle. And, uh, <laughs> we went out that day and we were told like, if he gets to the sideline, like we're in trouble. And I had to keep double teams the whole game to keep our, you know, our linebackers free. And I always tell the story about my, my D coordinator, you know, that again, he, he was from Pitt state and I was squirting water into my mouth at halftime and he was in the middle of a speech and asked our linebacker how, you know, Sean got to the edge and he said he'd gotten blocked, which was my job to make sure he didn't get blocked. And he smacked the water bottle about 20 feet across the yard. Um, so <laughs> I got, that was kind of my first, my first taste as to what, you know, big boy football was and, you know, doing my job or, you know, other people don't get their job done. So, um, that one, you know, that was the biggest one was, was that. And then Jermaine race, cause he just was such an unstoppable force. He just was such a tough kid and the way he ran and everything. So, you know, much more memories of those guys that could just dominate football games. Well, the- you, you talked about on your visit. What do you remember specifically about your visit? That's always something that, that I'm always, uh, who was your host? <laughs> um, gosh, I would have to. I know I put you on the spot. <laughs> no, I, you know, the thing about O-linemen and it's still true to this day is it really doesn't matter who your host is. Cause you're going to go to the O-line house. Okay. Um, so you're going to get, you're going to end up being, because offensive line is just so different. It's more about the brotherhood. Um, and so, to be honest, we just immediately were attached to a group of like, you know, five or six or seven guys. And, um, yeah, it was it was everything that a, a visit was supposed to be. I just – I do remember one of the scariest humans I'd ever seen at that time was Jesse Haynes. And something happened at the place we were at, and I just remember him – needing to get everybody's attention. And when he yelled, the whole place stopped and was going to see what Jesse Haynes was talking about. So um, that was kind of the presence that that guy had um, on that visit. And uh, it was a little bit, it was a great visit. We had, I mean, Ryan Waters was on my visit. Uh, Kyle Kaiser was on my visit. There was a lot of those guys that we all ended up committing. Uh, It was a big weekend. So it was so many guys that that were on that visit together that we ended up playing together. It was pretty awesome. What was your first impression of Maryville just in general? Yeah, I'm a small town guy. Um, So I was not, you know, community wise, I wasn't looking for anything huge. Um, Originally I'm from over by Moberly, uh, you know, by Columbia kind of. And so that part of it wasn't a worry for me. And to be honest, I was, I was so blown away by the people um, that was involved with the program and, you know, the, the history of winning, uh, you know, coming off of the 98, 99 stuff. And so it was, it was more of that. Cause you know, traditionally my high school hadn't been good. It, it ended up being pretty good afterwards. Um, to be honest with you, we won the first conference championship at Sedalia my senior year. It was the first one in something like 50 years. So wow. That was the first bit of success we had had. And that was, you know, Coach Johnson ended up having a Hall of Fame career there. After that, he churned some more guys out and, and got it going there. But I was there kind of for his first to the start of his career. Um, you know, I went to a 4A school. I graduated with almost 400 kids, and we only had three seniors on the football team. So the the leadership realm wasn't really an option. We had to be leaders, you know, on that football team because there wasn't enough guys not to. Um, so... Kind of once I got up to to Maryville, 
when you're around a ton of guys that are like that, you know, that you see leadership in almost every person you're talking to. And there's already a standard set, you know, guys know how to work out, guys know how to do that stuff. You got, I mean, you got pieces of that on your visit and knew that that program was going to be ran a certain way and you were either going to conform to it or not. Um, so I was, I was most excited about that part. And I got all the feel of that when I was in Maryville, uh, the town, you know, the town was great. I thought the town, it's done a great job of growing even, you know, it's not hugely growing, but they've kept, you know, fresh places in there. So. Yeah. There's definitely a lot more eating options <laughs> than when, uh, you know, than when yeah. you and I both arrived on campus in, in fall of Oh two. So there's definitely a lot right. more places to eat up there now <laughs> for yeah. sure. Yeah, I spent most of my time eating in the calf and in the, you know, in the, the dining hall and stuff like that. So I wasn't out on, the, I wasn't out looking around town anyway. <laughs> well, fair enough. <clears throat> so, so tell me about that red shirt year, that O2. You talked about some of the guys that, you know, that you came in with. I mean, even other guys, Ben Harness, Gabe Frank, or guys that were with you. What, what memories do you have kind of from that red shirt year? Cause I hear from so many guys, kind of the bonds and things that are, that are formed. Yeah. Um, phenomenal um, year to be, you know, just in general, as a football player, to get up and and get to spend that type of time, and you're up at six o'clock in the morning working out together, and you know everything you're doing is either lifting, eating, or practicing, and that's kind of what your whole world's about. Um, you do. You're kind of forced into growing. Now, it also creates separation because there's you know there's just guys that do it better than others. And there's guys that learn that they're not in love with the sport as much as they thought they were, um, you know, and stuff like that. So really that red shirt year, as much as anything else is, is to figure out who can hack it, you know, who's going to commit to it and who's going to do it. Um, and you, you still make some phenomenal friends, but then you realize that your paths are going to be different. And I, I've told, you know, I use so much of my story in recruiting now, but, I moved every year I was in college and I'll take complete blame and credit for it. I, I'm, I'm a very, I was, you know, grew up with just me and my dad. And so I'm kind of a, a one man party. Like I, you know, I'm not used to sharing a lot of stuff. So I tried my hat at a lot of different places um, throughout there and, you know, loved every minute we talked about Cody Campbell and stuff kind of earlier. And I lived with him. I lived with all those guys, you know, that I came in with, but um you just find that everybody's path's a little bit different. I, I was obsessive, you know, in a way about the process of football. So I didn't do some of the things that other guys did, which that always created a little bit of separation, you know, with that. So, I mean, what was, I mean, I'm guessing the big goal, you said you spent a lot of time in the union, probably a lot of time in the weight room <clears throat> to get, I mean, that's always been the thing, right. Of kind of the formulas, so many yeah, other places have adopted it yeah. but at Northwest, right? Red shirt, right. get in the weight yep. room. It's, yeah. So, uh, you know, I remember kind of my, my numbers and it wasn't just me. So I signed there with six offensive linemen and all of us gained 50 pounds over that first year. And coach Tatum came in at the end of that first year and was like, every one of you guys need to lose weight. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we indulged a little too much in the cafeteria, but, um, yeah, just the strength stuff. You know, my I know off of my high school numbers, everything went up. My bench went up 50. My squat went up like 100. My clean went up 50. It just, everything jumped so much in that year because it's just all you do. 
is eat and lift and practice football, kind of learn how to use your body. So, so we go into 03, redshirt freshman, kind of, you know, and typically not a lot of linemen, you know, are getting out there as a redshirt freshman, specifically at Northwest during this time. What expectations did you have for yourself or did you have many going into that 03 yeah, season? No, um, I did. Yeah. So I, I traveled the first game of the season and you're right. You know, you don't, you don't expect to as a, as a redshirt freshman. Um, I traveled as the first game of the season as, as kind of a backup role as the, the backup center type situation. We went up to South Dakota state. Um, we came back and at practice, I went up to block a guy named John Edmonds. If I, if my timeline was correct, um, and got knocked out. So, um, I spent most of the rest of that year kind of out and, uh, fighting. I just, I'd never had a concussion before. And I don't like to say that word very often. Um, but I got dinged and, uh, I never really got back in the mix until later on in the season. So, um, it was bored. A lot of me just battling back from that, but, um, obviously a different year. I think that was, if I remember right, that was the year we played South Dakota state. I don't mm-hmm. have the yep. schedule. No, that's right. Yep. Yeah. So w- it was an unbelievable experience. I went up there and they had told us how <laughs> they told us how much crap they were going to talk. And you used to have to walk right down past the stands to get to the field. And they were throwing stuff and it was, it was everything that it was supposed to be that they said it would be. And we got up there and I think we got beat 20 to nothing or something mm-hmm. like that. And we could not, we had some, we had some shots. We had like seven straight plays inside the like 10. We got a PI and got a new first down and we just couldn't get anything out of that. And so I remember that in my brain because that was the one game where I'm like, you know, my thought of, of what the brand of football, you know, from high school is like, you know, we got to put our hands down and, and get those yards, you know, dug out of there on the ground. And it was just a different type with those, guys we had big linemen that could pass pro for days and they were phenomenal at it and stuff like that but they were you know south dakota state was real tough down there so um yeah that year to be honest with you that was that was more of a humbling year i you know because i thought i was going to be in the you know i thought it was really cool traveling that early and i think i only traveled to that one and then the last one of the season and that might have been again. I don't have it. That might have been the year we played Pitt the last game. Mm-hmm. Tony Glover's blocked field goal. It yeah. Is. So that was essentially that was my whole season. Was the first and the last game, and um, <laughs> they had Aaron Donald. Nope, not Aaron Donald. They had McConnell, I think, as a D tackle, which was an All American D tackle. And my best buddy Eric Hoyt was matched up against him, and he was one year older than me, so. He was a sophomore out there fighting his tail off, and I was on the sideline just hoping and praying that he held up because <laughs> nobody wanted to be in there playing that, <laughs> fighting that battle. Um, but it was such a cool game, and you know, the Arrowhead game and all that stuff's always so awesome. So, well, and what? So, did you partic- Did you usually play on the interior of the line, like guard? Just tackle? when I got there, yeah. Okay. I mean, that was you know, obviously, I'm. You, you don't probably know this, but yeah, I'm I'm six one and one eighth mm-hmm. by NFL standards, so I'm not blowing anybody away with my height. And uh, 
I always, you know, again, figured I'd either be a D tackle or a, a center guard. And, you know, we got out of this year and Bart Tatum left. And when Doral got there, um, kind of to roll into that next season, uh, Adam Doral got there and we were about a week away from the first game. And he called me into his office and told me he was going to move me out to tackle. And uh, I laughed at him because I never even thought or looked at that position before. And he told me that's what he played. And he's every bit of 5'11". So um, he uh, he said, we're going to go out. And if you can kick step, you're going to start this weekend. Uh, and that was for the first game. And so we went out and everything looked good. And he said we were going to do it. So he taught me every cheat code he could that whole week. So that when we went out to that first game, um, <laughs> I could get going. He did, he did set me up for failure. So I've made, I've made no promises in my coaching career, but he told me to cheat back off the ball because he said, they will warn you before they give you a penalty. And the first third down of the game, I cheated off the ball and they threw a penalty on the first third down of the game. And we had too many men in the backfield. So he was deemed a liar on that exact play. <laughs> in my, you know, my first third down of college. So, and it didn't get any better after that. If if you go back through the books, thank goodness uh, they didn't keep records of that because I I'm pretty sure I led the league in flags the entire season that that year. Well, we're, once we get to 06, we're definitely going to talk. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about about penalties. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean that's a heck of a game to start. You know, to get not a lot of pressure. I mean, 77-12 win against Morehead. I think that was the most most points yeah. at the time that it was whatever been right. scored in the game. Yep. And so, you know, it was, uh, it was a cool game to get started in. Obviously the, they weren't great. And so that was kind of a get your feet wet, get out there and play, you know, type game. And, um, I think the one after that was Westchester and they mm-hmm. weren't, even though the score wasn't as much, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that much different from a playing aspect. So we were kind of lucky just to get those two. And that, that was the great part about the schedule back then was you'd get a couple non-conference games. And I know once we got rolling again, we would put the, you know, those, we'd put those Abilene Christians and those tough ones at the beginning, but it was nice at this time that we had a couple that we, we could get some, you know, some stuff going, but um, yeah, I mean, I went out the, you know, the one I remember the most is central Missouri that was kind of Xavier's breakout game mm-hmm. as a freshman. We had, you know, we battled back and forth of who was going to play. And I think there was three quarterback or three running backs in rotation at that point in time. And then we went to, to central and I know he, he had over a hundred in the first half. He had one where I remember just because it ended up in the Sedalia paper where he was, he did a flip over the top of the pile and our helmets were like touching each other and he landed on his feet in the end zone. Um, and it was just such an incredible, you know, play and stuff like that. So um, that one, that central Missouri game was one of the coolest ones. I, you know, I was back home. I had a ton of people that were, were around for that, you know, and we put on a pretty good show. And if I remember right, uh, we had scored, um, they took some timeouts and uh, Coach T thought that since they thought they were still in the game, we should fake a field goal. 
with about four minutes left just to put it away. And I think he caught some flack over that because it got it back up to like to the like 18 or 20 points. So, <laughs> but couldn't happen to anybody better. It was a really cool game um, for us. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing about, you know, obviously you, you get three years of, of, uh, you know, blocking for Xavi. What, <laughs> you know, what was that like? And then, you know, he gets rolling. I mean, I'm sure that made your guys job probably a little bit easier. Yeah. You just, um, <laughs> you can't describe it. And, you know, it's, I've been looking for another one of those my whole career in coaching. It's <laughs> there's plays that, you know, you don't block anybody on and he's going to, he's going to spin and spin and, you know, make that guy miss and make the next guy miss. And as long as you get up off the ground and go do something, you got a shot, you know, at scoring. And so it, when he got rolling, you knew, you know, and his body changed so much that first year, especially this year, he was a freshman and, he broke his ribs one game and he ended up with a broken thumb, I think, or something. He dealt with a couple broken bones. And so he didn't play all of them, but when he was in there, you just knew like it was a different type of football that you, you know, that you were a part of. And then, you know, I remember at Missouri Southern was another breakout game for him. I just, I know there was two plays he went over 60, I think on. And the craziest part about that game was we were all in the huddle on the sideline and, somebody from the fence threw a smoke bomb onto the field. <laughs> and I think 10 out of the 11 people in the huddle took off running and Xavier just reached down and picked it up and threw it back up. So he, it kind of showed right away who the dog was in the huddle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but we, you guys are rolling through that point. And then of course the next week is the Western game, the infamous Western game with, with Lambeau's injury, of course. I mean, how, how good yeah. was that 04 team? It was, you know, I'm, I'm going to cheat because I told you I already listened to Coach T talk a little bit on your last, on one of your other, you know, podcasts, but it was unbelievable. You know, our offense, just the amount of points we could produce. And with Jamaica and Andre, you know, and Mo and, and those guys, we just, we were so explosive. And then once Xavier got going, there wasn't really an answer people could have because you couldn't come down and you couldn't stay back. So um, we went out in the Missouri Western game and it was boom, boom and scored. I mean, that one didn't feel like it was going to be any different. We it felt like we were going to put up 50 in that game. And then, you know, obviously when the injury happened, the most crazy kind of eerie thing of all time. And I think we all felt like he was going to come back. <laughs> I, you know, even when he was laying on the sideline, like coach, you know, he was, Lambo was, he was almost, you know, un, you know, unbeatable, un, unknowable at that time because he was starting to really, really put up some crazy numbers. Um, but he went down and then we, you know, we scrapped and finished that game. And then I just remember Truman was a dogfight. <laughs> well, it's, it's one of the craziest games I think ever. It probably would have been the upset of the century if, you guys would have lost that game. You know, it's eight and no versus zero and eight. And yeah. obviously had to be the, you know, and I've talked to Dave Tollison and Xavier about this particular game and, and other guys too. Um, yeah. just the, you know, I'm, I'm sure the massive letdown from the week before. And, um, I'm guessing probably either side of the ball practice probably wasn't that much fun the week after that Truman game, I'm guessing. No. Yeah. There was a lot to it. Um, 
you know, with, with Lambo and nobody knowing if we could run the same offense. And obviously Matthews didn't have the same skill set as, as Josh, you know, as Lambo did, but Matthews could sling. So, you know, we were going to have to protect a little bit more and do some of that stuff. But um, the crazy Truman story that you want is we got to the game and we're missing uh, someone was missing a pair of pants and so we actually got a pair of white pants from Truman and we spray painted them green. <laughs> and uh, we had the, one of our players out there had some spray painted pants on for the game because we did not have an extra pair of pants. So that was, that was the one thing that I remembered most from that game. Um, aside from the, the crazy shootout and, you know, we, we scrapped and Matthews threw up a prayer to, to Dre, if I remember right. And, kind of kept a drive going and we ended up scoring, but they had some good players too. I remember, I think, I mean, they had a really good defensive end. Um, and it's always those teams that aren't doing well, but they still have a couple good players that can shock you. Um, and so I just, I remember that, but one of my buddies, Rich Mason, and he ended up being a graduate assistant at Northwest with us as well. He had played at Truman. He was a captain and all that. And, <laughs> we were we were talking about that game one time and he showed me his highlights and if you watched the German highlights you'd have thought they beat us by 52 so it was <laughs> they, they made a good highlight out of that game as well well and so you know the next week you beat the purple bearcats at southwest baptist then the the regular season finale number one and number two it's it's you guys versus pitt state and i mean it's a it's a heck yeah. of a dog fight. I think you were the only guys I know in the regular season um, to even hold a lead against Pitt State. Yeah, they were unbelievable. Um, and our defense played outside its mind. And uh, I know we had, I think, the, if I remember right, that's the game Matthews got knocked out in. Mm -hmm. um, he was rolling out. He was sprinting out and uh, – tried to pump fake and set up and someone got him right under the chin and Nedelecki came in and uh, he fought the, you know, the valiant fight, but it was just, it was, it was too much and we couldn't quite get, you know, the points going, but they, for our defense to hold them to what they did, like, you know, we, we knew that we knew that it was, if it was meant to be, it was going to be just because of that. Cause they were fighting and uh, did an awesome job. And we just, we ran out of stuff, but, uh, Again, it was probably just the disappointment part of was knowing, you know, what we could do, you know, through the middle of the season and into that. But nobody apologizes. You know, those guys that came in and played and practiced all year, too. And we were out there fighting. I mean, there was no laying down. Does that give you confidence, though, when, when you're down and guys are hurt and, you, you know, you've lost your quarterback, that you can still kind of hang in and, and play with – you know, they yeah. were the number one team in the country. I mean, that had to give Absolutely. you guys confidence going into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, nobody, I don't think anybody expected us to be able to hold up in that game. And uh, it kind of got our mojo back a little bit, obviously rolling into that first round of the playoffs and Kingsville, you know, this is now my first experience, you know, into division two playoffs and you start getting those guys from Texas coming up here and that's, it's a whole different world, you know, some of the athletes that are running around. And I remember, you know, the thing I remember the most about Kingsville was they had a defensive end that had scooped and scored in three straight games. Oh, wow. And we, 
you know, we laughably were like, all right, the number one goal is to keep this guy from scooping and scoring. And I think he sacked us and scooped and scored like in the first quarter or he at least sacked, stripped us. Um, so we were, it was unbelievable. The guy, um, but he was, he was a creature. And then obviously we, we rebounded. Okay. We played all right the rest of the game, but it just such an incredible, you know, athlete that would come up from those schools down there. Well, and you know, I, I hear that about the, you know, when people talk about the, the, was it 99? Yeah. 99 game against, against Kingsville, same thing. They get off the bus and everybody's like, Whoa, you know, was it that kind of situation? Cause those Texas teams, they always had a lot of big time athletes. It seems like. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, they were, they were as advertised. Like I said, I, you know, coming from Sedalia, Missouri and I, you know, that's what we laugh about sometimes is we get all these guys from all over the place. You get them, you know, you get them in there and, <laughs> and then they're playing against some of the creatures, some guys they've never even thought about seeing before. And the culture that they're practicing and is what gets them ready for that. And that's, what's so awesome about it is, you know, we take guys, we do, you know, the same thing here. You take a guy that's from small town, Kansas, and somehow you got to get them out there competing against some of the best football players in the country at this level. So, um, it, that it's the fun part about division two football. It really is, you know, still, still getting people from all over the place, but you still have a hometown feel too. You know, I think once you're into division one, there's not that many people from the home state anymore, but D2, you're still going to have, you know, at least probably 50% from your home state that you're, you know, you're building and playing with. And then you get to mix them and match them with all the other ones. So I just, I think that's what's special about, you know, this level. Well, in your reward, you guys get another matchup against Pitt. Of course, you have to go to the jungle. And I mean, <laughs> it's a game and you guys lead several times, you know, by yeah. by two scores and, yep. you know, tied, you know, tied at 36 in, in the fourth quarter even, um, you know, and obviously special teams, miscues, turnovers, that sort of thing. I mean, that, what memories do you have from yeah, that game? All of it. And it was it was such a great game. And I, you know, the people I remember, I remember, you know, Troy Tisdale being a big part of that game. And, you know, some of just our, our dudes that we had counted on earlier in the year, you know, we begged for that game back and genuinely feel like we gave that game all we had. You know, we obviously were still depleted, and, you know, but just the fact that we went in and competed like we did and, and made a fight out of it. Like you said, it's never, you know, the, the score still isn't indicating of how our defense was. Our defense was so good that year. Um, you know, the, the amount of points we scored was mostly because of how good the defense was, you know, getting us in great situations and um, no different in that one. You know, they, they got us the ball back early. I think they caused a couple early turnovers and we, we put it in and then some, some other stuff happened and they got back into it. But um, still felt, I think we walked off the field that game, you know, starting, we had gotten our mojo back a little bit and we felt like we, we really made a run as much as we could. Um, but they were obviously a very, very good football team. Well, and you know, the, I think that, you know, and coach T talks about that, that season was just kind of a get the mojo back season, yeah. you know, for the Bearcats yep. after Oh three, which still to this day is the last time that, you know, Northwest didn't make the playoffs insanely enough, um, <laughs> right. you know, and how much did that just, 
of course, I know we know, we know Lambo's going to come back in in 05, although it kind of takes him a little while, a little while to get right. going. But how much did that game, just the the fight, the season, you know, a, a successful season, <clears throat> propel yeah, you guys in 05? Yeah, it made it all worthwhile and, you know, let us know, obviously, that, that things were possible, you know, again. And something that, you know, Josh and I both talk about, is it what brought you know what brought our top tier guys together in that was creating a sustainable culture and after you know after the 03 when they didn't make the playoffs those captains came in and it's like here's the things that need to get cleaned up and then the next year the new captains came in and was like all right we clean that up here's the next things that need to clean up and it was a step by step process where you know, guys slowly took ownership and what led us into the, you know, the five straight championships was just, there was really good leaders walking in and taking next steps. And that's, that's what, you know, Josh and I fell in love with in coaching was it's, it was not only how do we get people to do, you know, better and what we want, but how do we create it where it's sustained for a long time. And I think going into this year, knowing that Josh was coming back, and we had a great senior, you know, core with Adam Long and those guys. Um, the things that they put into place were just, they were set in place for the long haul. Was this is how we do what we do. This is how we work out. This is how we hold each other accountable. And I just remember a shift that summer um, into how we worked out, into, you know, the amount of hours that we put in with film and all that stuff that really you know, we were still going to have to get Lambo back up and running in terms of, you know, coming back from that hit. But the work that went in in the off season was just the the part that set us apart. I think. Well, how much did it help you personally? I mean, you know, you find out right before the four season you're going to be playing tat right tackle. Yeah. I mean, how much did it help to have a whole off season oh. to prepare for 05? Well, here's what I'll tell you. I tell again, I tell every recruit this. Like if you if you think anybody at Northwest Missouri wanted a six one tackle to be out there for, for three straight seasons and forty three games, you're crazy. So I <laughs> they brought in transfers every year and they brought in people to try to get, you know, better. And I just I bought into the the stuff, you know, and the it you know, it was Coach T. It was all the, the things that he taught you and how to put the team first and um, you know, all the, the other things. And then you, you just fall in love with the process and I'm not gonna, you know, I wouldn't sit here and lie cause people would call me after they listen to this. Like it wasn't the weight room thing. Wasn't my world. Like I had, you know, I had three shoulder surgeries while I was there. So two of the off seasons, I was in full recovery of shoulder surgery. Um, so, you know, it was as much mental and, rehabbing back for me as anything and uh and kelly quinlan was you know if i didn't mention her i'd feel horrible about it but she was definitely that person that got me back and so while lambo was dealing with crazy you know crazy crazy stuff like i was i was just had you know shoulder stuff and trying to get back to be my best me you know the best version of me and um but the taste of it was awesome, you know, to start every game as a sophomore and, you know, know what that position had been and know what some of the big names that had played that position. Like I, I felt as, you know, capable of anything, you know, I felt capable of doing anything. So 
after that, it was how to truly, you know, buy into their process and figure out how to take care of myself and, you know, <laughs> cut Mountain Dew out of my life and things that <laughs> weren't good for me um, and really start, you know, refining my skills. And Doral was, you know, Doral was everything for that. He, uh, Coach Tatum was the dude that would make you run through a wall and Doral was the guy that would, you know, that would make you really believe you could, but he'd also teach you how, like he, he knew the tricks. He knew, you know, sometimes when it was just time to be grimy and that's after I, you know, position myself as a starter, that's what you open up. The door opens up to, all right, now you've played games. Now let's start learning how to, you know, how to dominate football games. And um, we made a huge connection kind of over that next off season going into my junior year. Well, 05, I mean, it's one of those magical years. Heck, I've done a whole entire episode about it with no with, doubt yeah. with Coach D. Um, you know, starts off, you know, you're, you talk about, you know, maybe 04, a little easier start to the season with the schedule. Well, it, it, was, t- it was back to tough games. You go to Mankato <laughs> yeah. to start off with, we have to win that one in overtime. Yep, and old, you know, Tommy comes in and kicks the field goal as a freshman, and they uh, the lights kicked off right before we were about to go in overtime, so we had some extra time to sit there and think about what needed to happen. And it was just a dogfight. I remember, you know, I remember Josh running around. He took a weird, you know, we, it was called a sack. He basically stepped out of bounds three yards behind the line of scrimmage rather than throwing it away. So it was just some, some things that, you know, he had to kind of get back into – to, you know, Josh to Lambo mode and uh, Josh, once he got going, you knew you still believed it. Like, you know, when you're in a huddle with them and there's not a better guy ever that I've been around, that's better in that huddle than he was. And so whether, whether he believed it or not, we all still believed that he was going to get it done. And so we just toughed it out through that game and knew that eventually it was going to go. And we fought, you know, till the end and got enough points to get that one done. Well, was there was there extra pressure on you guys as a unit? To, hey, you know we, we got to keep Lambo clean here. I mean, I'm, I'm I know <laughs> from from the stands, right? Everybody holds their breath. You know, the first oh, few times he's right. taken hits. I mean, I'm sure it was the same thing with with you guys. Yeah, it was supposed to be, but he never stayed in the pocket, so <laughs> it was hard to. You know, I I've told this story, and I swear it was exactly how. Like I took a kick step, and you know. Before I punched, he was already sprinting out of the pot. He, he ran between me and the DN. He was already running out that fast. Um, but he just had such a playmaker mentality, and he'd get out and run around and, and break defenses down. So he was fun to block for. He really was. I got to, you know, cutting was legal all over the field, and so I'd wait for him to reverse field and go have the time of my life just throwing my body around. So he was he was definitely awesome to be in that game with like that. Well, the second second game, you guys have to go to UNO, and they always have kind of you know over the years were always kind of a tough opponent for Northwest, and and uh, you know fall behind twenty one nothing, end up losing a losing a close game to them. Yeah, they were. I don't know if if you if you stacked us or took it up, took us off the bus and lined us up across. I don't know if you, anybody would have thought it would have been that close. They had. To this day, that was one of the most talented football teams I've ever seen. Um, they had that their quarterback that played tight end in the NFL. Um, their linebackers were as big as I was. Deanna Toulouse, uh, they just they were as big and athletic of a football team as I had ever seen. You know, and we went and 
they jumped all over us and they were running the option and stuff like that. And we finally got Xavier going. In fact, one of Xavier's long touchdowns was kind of the play. One of those plays I told you about, like I, I think I fell down on my face and the DN was standing there and he spun off of him and broke the play out for a 60 yard touchdown. So that was, it was a lot of Xavier doing Xavier stuff that got us going in that game. Well, and it, you know, after that, you guys, you know, <laughs> four, you know, the, the season starts out with lots of blowouts. I mean, oh, five's the opposite <laughs> of that. It's lots of, lots of, uh, you know, gutting out wins and, yep. uh, you know, b- between, you know, the defense pitches a couple of shutouts against Truman and Emporia <laughs> and you got Western and Southern and, and, uh, did it just have a different feeling? I mean, was it, was it, were wins harder to come by in 05 as opposed to 04 when things were going? Smooth? Yeah. I mean, we knew we weren't as potent for whatever reason. And, you know, it wasn't that we had lost a bunch. It just, the click wasn't there. Um, obviously our defense was really, really good and we put them into some bad situations and, you know, they held tight for most of it. Emporia, you know, the thing about Emporia, that game, was they'd never ran the three, three stack before. And so we go to Emporia and it's a whole new defense. And if you've never blocked against the three, three stack, you don't understand it, but they, you know, there's an extra gap that they've created with a linebacker. And if you don't know how to block the scheme, then you're a man short, you know, whichever way you go. And so there, it's a very run stopping. looks like, you know, bullets flying defense. And uh, we went in there and, we just didn't we didn't adjust very well as an offensive line that that game and it wasn't anybody's fault it's just we couldn't get it done you know through through our system we couldn't get it adjusted to what they were doing and luckily the defense kept us in that one but yeah i mean it was i think we all knew eventually we were going to get going but it certainly started to feel like maybe maybe we're not going to get going as much as we used to um until you know until that kind of mid-season thing well, then, you know, Washburn comes to Maryville and I mean, in general, Maryville is just a place don't really lose that often. And that, that happens on a last second field goal, um, where they go down the field and, and kick that. And I mean, that that's loss number two, you gotta be thinking, man, that, you know, we can't, we can't lose another game. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's definitely always, always been that, that two loss barrier in your brain is, you know, you can get two and you still got a shot. But um, to lose one that early in the season and Washburn had um, Trey Lewis, they had a D tackle that was an unbelievable D tackle uh, and just he created enough havoc that I, I just remember we couldn't get, you know, we we fought against them, but we just couldn't get it going as much as we wanted to against them where um, you can really establish the run. But he was a dominating force inside and um you know, that was that was definitely a, a factor in the game. That was one of those that I think Washburn, I don't remember who the quarterback was, but I know that they got really good at they had two banger backs, like bigger backs. And you know, that's if you're gonna if you are gonna go at Northwest, you gotta be able to take a pounding. And they had two running backs that could do that. And I think they kept, you know, they kept hammering it and kind of kept them in the game for as long as they need to keep in it. So now you guys bounce back against Central. Then comes the Arrowhead game of, you know, 56-35. Okay, that doesn't seem like a total blowout, but, I mean, it was 42-14 to 14 at halftime. I yeah, mean, that it didn't was, feel good. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's got to have been – that had to have been a rough one. 
Yep, there wasn't. That's you know, that's one of the only times I ever walked off the field. You know, at that at that place, feeling that way. Um, but you know, they just were unbelievable on offense that game. You know, that year. And I think I don't remember. I've looked up the stats to see, but they just. I think that was was that the Philpot year. Um, yeah, I'm pretty if sure. I remember it was. right. Like I think it was. Uh, um, I know yeah. majors, and maybe, maybe Phil yeah. Pot too. I, well, here's what I know: Jermaine Race was still there. Yes, and <laughs> they were still. It was Andy Majors, yeah. So he was taking over, and they just, yeah, they were good. You know, he was. They were good at that pounding, and you're absolutely right. So, um, yeah, we just our defense. Everybody felt like we were getting our tails kicked. I don't know. We busted some stuff open, but you know when your football team's getting dominated, you know, and we just were that game. So not to say that we we didn't feel capable. It just we knew that they had our number that game. Well, and, you know, so that happens, third loss. I mean, you still got a game. And, of course, it's, um, you know, it, it seemed more – I mean, the stadium was, you know – maybe half full at best sure. senior day against Baptist, you know, it seemed right. more like a, like it was a somber kind of occasion. What was, and a bunch of guys are missing, you know, I don't think yep. Dave Tollefson played in that game and a bunch of other guys either. Um, man, you know, that, that I'm assuming you guys are thinking, Oh, well, this is it. You know, here's the last game. Yeah, of the season. I mean, you know, that's one thing that by now, you know, our pride is enough and coach Churchill does a great job. Coach T can, man, he can tell you if you got a shot and he still believed we had a shot and he told us that, you know, you never know. And we need to go out and put our best football on the field. And, you know, offensively, as crazy as it sounds like we still feel like we're trying to get rolling, you know, we haven't really even got, we haven't really put our best foot forward yet. So, you know, we go into that game still thinking, man, let's, let's still try to be the best us. Cause I don't think anybody's seen that yet. Um, so Definitely got into that one and, and went at it, and it was good. Well, and you, you guys get together for the selection show on, uh, you know, tell me kind of how that went, feelings when you see your guy's name pop up. Yeah, I mean, I think all of us still doubted it, you know, and whether Coach T actually knew or not, we don't know, but it was <laughs> until our name was up there, it was it was a very somber feeling, and when it hit, we knew you know, again, we just knew like we had, we had a shot to go show people what we could be. Cause we just, we didn't, we hadn't at that time felt that we had. And then we also knew um, that every one of the teams that had beat us, you know, we were going to have a shot at again. And that was, you know, that was another big thing for us was we, you know, we, before we became the road dogs, we were like revenge tour, you know, give us mm -hmm. another shot at those teams, you know, that got us early. So. Well, it starts, it, we talked about, you know, going to or playing Texas. Now this time you got to go to Texas, Angelo state. And there's a lot of guys on the team that are from Texas too. I'm, yeah. I'm sure, you know, part of them was extra amped up to be going home. And yeah, the craziest, I don't know if anybody's told you the story. Um, the craziest part about it was we, they made us do like a face-to-face, -face, like sit down, which is what we do at the national championship game. You know, we go to that dinner the night before and it's kind of awkward because you're, you're having to sit down and share a meal. And then they do some fun activities to get the ice broke between the two teams. And so Angelo decided to host one of those. Like they, they basically invited us to dinner on campus. 
um, the night before. So we're at it and their university president or athletic director was up there giving a speech and he, he essentially took a shot at our, at our Texas receivers um, for leaving the state of Texas uh, to go play in Missouri. And so they were excited to be in Texas. They were very excited the next day. So when Dre scores the first long touchdown um, of the game, he he definitely turned and said hi to their their <laughs> sideline whenever that happened. And we kind of jumped all over him in that game. So it was it was fun. Um, I just remember we practiced. I think it was thirty or below the entire week of practice, and we got there and it was something like eighty five for the game. And uh, you know, big boys were struggling <laughs> with that. So it was that you know that was the tough part of going down there. Well, did that game kind of, you know, you, you get some guys back from injury. Um, you know, the offense seems to kind of be clicking. The defense is doing their thing. Did did it – was there a yeah, shift change? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it felt like we were finally putting our, you know, our best product out there. And, uh, and obviously we were – Lambeau played a phenomenal game and we were, we were throwing the ball over the yard. I don't even know how much we rushed for that game. It seemed like we were throwing it everywhere and we were, you know – Dre, I just remember him having a huge game, uh, Rector. So, well, and so then the revenge tour starts. You get you <laughs> go to Washburn next week, and I mean, you guys just, you know, it's thirty-five to seven at one point. I mean, they score some, you know, in the second half to make the game a little bit closer. But I mean, yeah. you guys just pretty much took it to them from from yeah, the first I mean, snap. I think, you know, the matchup stuff was still tough. They again, they still had that presence inside, but we hit the edges a lot more. I know. I know for a fact in that game, we hit back-to-back sweeps for a touchdown. Xavier took one for like 60 and um, EJ Faulkner took a fly sweep, like the next play, the first play of the next drive for like another 60. So it was, we just hit some big hitters out on the edge um, that I'm sure was demoralizing a little bit, but just a fun game. You know, again, it was already in our minds, that game was done. Like we, we wanted that one back. You know, we lost that one in such a bad way at home and we hadn't lost at home in forever. So it's, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't going to be a way we were going to lose that one. Well, and then you get pit again. I'm sure that's a game too, that, that you're really wanting, especially with how Arrowhead went. Yeah, no doubt. We just, we knew that, and you don't ever blame injury. You don't blame who you're missing on how the game went, but it's, we knew we had a better matchup. We knew we had our guys back. Um, and obviously we still didn't explode offensively, but our defense just, you won't get them twice. You know, that's the thing about Northwest's defense is you might get them once, but they have so many adjustments built into their schemes. So, um, rarely do you see them get got twice and they got another round and that was, you know, credit to, you know, coach Boswick and what he, you know, what he can do, you know, and he, uh, he put together a game plan that shut it down. It was awesome. Well, and that urged you guys uh, the first of first trip to Alabama, and I mean one of the all time games. You know, if, if uh, you know, it'd probably be one of the all time. You know, it's probably is one of the all time playoff games. Yeah, and that was another one. That one more so than UNO. That was there wasn't many positions that we matched up with um, on that field. They were an unbelievable athletic football team. Um, Xavier probably looked okay, but everybody else was grossly overmatched, but, um, we just kept with it. I know 
remember we didn't rush for hardly anything. We hit like one reach draw, like a sprint out draw play, and Xavier took that one. And the rest of the time we were just chipping away. Um, that's the one Coach Lamberson and I talk about the most. Because um, I got – we were on ESPN twice that night, which was pretty awesome. But one of them was on Jacked Up, where they used to say you got jacked up, was a uh, – a guy coming off the just happened to be the right side, which was where I was at. Um, and he came scot free, and Lambo came off of a play action and hit it right under the chin. And he was he was completely parallel with the ground when the ball was laying underneath them. So he ended up. They scooped that and um, got that. You know, they ended up scoring on that drive. That was that was a horrible time. And then we fought our way back and obviously got down with not a ton of time left. And he threw the fade ball to, to Raphael Robinson. Well, walk me, you know, walk me through the huddle. I mean, you know, Lambo's is kind of legendary in that. I mean, did it, was it just cool, calm? How, how were you guys feeling, you know, Yeah. on that last drive? It, we just, you know, you never, you don't get a lot of those moments where it's a two minute drill, you know, and you're walking down to try to score and, you know, for something of that caliber, especially and. Um, even on that play, you know, we were, we were not great up front comparatively. And even on that play with just a full gap scheme, go to, you know, slide and he still got hit, um, on a one step, basically he snaps the ball, takes one step and throws a fade and he still got hit on that one. So, um, just unbelievable guts. And then, you know, Raphael took, he got one toe down. It was unbelievable. And, um, I think one of the crazy parts about that was, you know, they punted the ball back to us and they didn't have to, you know, they had a fourth and one earlier, like right before that drive. And they had had a fourth and one earlier in the game and our defense stopped them. And so, you know, in their brains, they'd already been stopped once. And so they kicked the ball to us and that's what allowed us to go score. So um, it ended up ensuing with what was, the end of that game if you watch the broadcast a big fight breaks out um during the handshakes and uh it was because of the they they took a time out before that you know that fourth down decision to talk about it and everybody came to our sideline except for ben harness and he stayed on their sideline and talked to them through their whole time out so after <laughs> after the game was over that that was what kind of started the whole fight um, between the two teams. <laughs> As well, the reward is is getting to turn around and, and come back to uh, you know come back to Florence the very next week, take on Grand Valley, who was you know kind of at the peak of I think they've been number one just about all year. Um, yep. You know what what was just walk me through the experience. I mean, it's the first time probably everybody on that there's nobody left from 99 it's the first time everybody's kind of going through this other than the coaching staff sure yeah no it was uh it was cool i mean we you know coach t obviously had been there and they tried to you know he coach T always did this thing we you know we pretended like we win it so he kind of gets that out he gets the one of the trophies out and makes each of us come down and hold it up and kind of go through that process and visualize it and uh it was, you know, an unbelievable experience. And, the, you know, the big hype in that game was they had a they had a draftable tackle. I think he did end up getting drafted and then Dave. And so they, I mean, they battled. They battled a 
different caliber of football game than anybody else was playing. And Dave would get him and he would get Dave. And it was fun to watch, you know, from a line perspective. So just a really cool, you know, matchup. Like it, we were, we just were two of the best football teams and we got to play each other. And there wasn't a lot of history between us at that time. And so it just, it was, it was an awesome experience. Well, and I mean, it's, again, it's one of the great games. I mean, there's so many of these, you know, as we right. as we go down over the years. But, I mean, it's, it's another one of those great games comes right down to it, you know, a, a drop in the end zone away from, from being the national champions. What was, I mean, again, a lot of seniors on this team, yeah. of course, but there's a lot of you guys that are that are going to come back too. But what was the feeling after this game? Um, I'll say it as nicely as I can. Um. Yeah, there was, you know, there was guys that let us down in that game that we probably didn't hold accountable through the season. Um, and that was the lesson. That's been the lesson, you know, Coach Lamberson and I have coached together at two different places now, and we've given a lot of talks to people. And, you know, the guys that you don't hold accountable, as much as you, you know, you think you're cool or whatever, you know, they they will be that guy that lets you down in that moment and um we felt you know we felt like that was that was something that from a leadership standpoint we still were not holding every person on that football team completely accountable um to the way that we worked out to the way that we committed to the you know to the film and all that stuff and so you know we've we've given that talk i mean that's until you have a national championship, you know, ripped away from you by one of those people, you won't, you'll still think it's okay. A kid walks in late or if a kid, you know, skips a couple reps on the weight room, you don't, you don't, you don't foresee it, you know, playing out like that. But if you have seen it play out like that, it feels a lot different. Um, and so that's really what sparked us into 06. And it just, it was to get rid of all the nonsense. And, you know, we, we were going to act like we were the number one team in the country and, and make sure we held each other to that standard in everything we did. And again, it, you know, from, I got to be a captain my senior year and, um, you know, so I got to do the same thing that the two classes before me, we got to go in and say, here's the little things that we, you guys did and we want to take one more step. And so here's, here's what we see as the next step moving forward. And, um, just had a full commitment from guys and it just, it became a, you know, you had to conform to how we were doing stuff. And, um, that just, you know, that kind of made us, I think what you saw in 06 was such a consistency. It wasn't, it wasn't a phenomenal brand of football. It was just, you know, I don't know. I can't remember off. I think there was probably like four or five games where we just scored like 30 points. Like it was just a consistent season. Um, and it, that was us. It just we were going to go out and play good football over and over and over. Well, and you know, to mention your captain. I mean, you and I think Reed Kirby. I don't think he was a starter the whole '05 season, but I think he was a starter for part of that season. But yep. I know going in, you know, I was kind of reading through some stuff. The coach T had, had labeled the offensive line a question mark going into that <laughs> '06 season. Um, yep. You know, how, how did that? motivate you i mean you got some got some you know young guys obviously gabe frank was a guy who'd been around tom pestock we all know him of course see him on on you know wrestling and stuff nowadays but um you know how did that group grow and how did 
you know, you try to, you know, being a captain, being being yeah. the guy on the line, how did you, you know, that change your, I don't know, yeah. how you approached I, you know, it? The, what I've always, you know, what I've always been good at is, is, is bringing a room together. You know, again, I was never the most talented guy. Um, you know, I had the fight. I wasn't going to let anybody take my spot, but it was, it's hard to stand up whenever you're, you know, you're, you're one of the lower talented humans on the line um, and, and be that vocal piece. So, you know, my, the way I went about it and the way I approached it was just to make us as tight of a unit as we could be. And I, I think that's why we got to where we went with it was the five guys. And we had a couple that had to plug in and play as guys got injured, but um, our five took stuff, you know, as serious and, just took everything as a task together. I mean, we were as tight of a group as you could have been through that season. And, you know, the things you talked about earlier, it's like now let's start taking really serious, you know, when the quarterback gets touched and let's start taking it very serious that, you know, we have the best running back in, in the country. And and so we don't have to do anything extraordinary. We just have to do our jobs. And, you know, the, the 111th thing and the do your job and like all that stuff, like, that all came into play and we knew we didn't have to be extraordinary. We just had to do our part because we had enough extraordinary pieces around us. And um, I think we all believed in the system. So I think as much as anything that season, it was, it was a full group of people that just believed that we had a system and we had good enough players to win, you know, to win against everybody. All right, now I'm going to follow it up by something really silly here. So, so we had this thing that we would talk about in 06 that if the offense wasn't playing well or maybe the line wasn't blocking well, it's because, oh, you know what? Joe hasn't got a false start yet. No Once that seemed it. to happen, <laughs> everything yeah. kind of settled in. Yeah, no, it was, uh, man. And it wasn't, I think everybody was used to it by 06. But Coach Wright, actually, we had – personalized shorts in 05 and he, everybody got their name on theirs but mine said flags <laughs> i didn't get my name on mine um and the horrible part about that was that was the first year that they started announcing your name or your number at uh whenever you get a penalty before it was just holding on the offense well now they start saying holding on 74 on the offense and <laughs> my dad started sitting a little higher in the stands and my girlfriend that ended up being my wife stopped she started being a little less wearing my jersey around so it just yeah by 06 everybody knew that it was going to happen I you know I I live you know I play really tight whenever I'm going to come off the ball hard I'm going to grab a hold of people and so I you know I was going to play on the edge I I still recruit that way I tell guys like I'm going to recruit guys that play within inches of of what's right and wrong in the game of football so um, you know, there was goods and bads that came from it, but you're right. Like I, I was wound pretty tight whenever it came to doing stuff. So I had plenty of penalties, but, but then it was fine though. Once you got that first yeah. start out of the way, everything seemed <laughs> to just go fine. And then, <laughs> yeah, I think by then it only bothered coach T. I don't think Doral even cared anymore. It was, <laughs> there was one game that I had four penalties and, and I just remember walking jog, like jogging off the field and Doral just was, just said, are, are you okay? And I was like, yep. Yeah. And that was it. And then it was it just I had nothing else to say about it. But well, you guys, let's talk about this 06 season because you guys, instead of going to Mankato and, and UNO, you get them at home this go around. You beat 
beat Mankato and I don't know, kind of the big moment early in that season seemed to be that UNO win. Cause I mean, that's a good UNO team. Yeah. 31, nothing. I mean, that's impressive. Yep. Defense showed what they were about. And you know, we lost a big, we lost some big names on defense. And I think that's the, that's what started the, the recycle that people have seen now is like, there wasn't the 98, 99 dip. It was like the best defense probably that, you know, had had been for a while was that 05 team. And now a lot of them are gone, but now all of a sudden it's like Sean Paddock out there and some, some new people and they're just as crazy um, and making huge plays and, you know, waters and Dallas fun. There was just a lot of, a lot of good football players that, you know, Ursh Bomber starts, you know, making his presence known and, and doing that stuff. So I think that's what kind of started that cycle to where, you know, defense was going to be defense. And I think, you know, for UNO, for them to shut them completely out, that game was a big deal. Well, and then, you know, you win at Truman, you get a close game against Western late field goal wins that one. And, and like you said, it was just kind of, you know, you know, then against Southern 24 to seven, that's just kind of the way that it was score, you know, 30 points and, and hold yep. them to, you know, hold <laughs> them to a couple of scores. And that it was, right. it was just a, a a lot more steady than were you guys on yeah. a mission in that 06 season? Yeah. I just, I don't think there was any fluctuation. Like there was nobody, everybody knew we were going to win. Um, we were going to do enough. We were going to do our part on offense and we knew our defense would take care of business at the end. You know, they weren't going to let, I think Washburn got close, but I, mm-hmm. you know, it was just all those things that happened the year before. We just knew it wasn't going to happen. Like we knew Washburn wasn't going to come back and win. we knew we weren't going to let, you know, someone come back into games. Um, so I, the calmness of it felt way different. And, you know, I just, I think we had, we had a different set of leaders too, that now, you know, we've, we've all played in national championship and we've all, you know, we know how to win. So it's just the way that we're leading is different. Just keep believing. And we all knew that it was going to happen. So Oh, you mentioned that Washburn game. That's kind of the last close game before the playoffs. You guys really kind of get on a roll and I mean, culminating kind of at Arrowhead against Pitt where, you know, again, those, you know, you kind of took a little bit of revenge for that, that, uh, you know, Oh five drubbing, you know, leading 27, nothing at halftime, beating them 41, 14. Right. No, the, the hilarious part about that Arrowhead game was Xavier was out. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Doral calls, you know, calls me in and he's, you know, cause you know, it's, I won't take any credit. I mean, coach Doral was the reason that our offensive line ended up gelling so well. And so he calls me in before that game and he's like, Hey, we need to, we need to set a rushing goal for this game. Um, you know, and we talked about it and it was like, well, you know, we should just talk about it as a whole unit and we'll, you know, we'll all agree to it. And we just know that we're going to walk in there. And cause I think everybody expected that if we didn't have the same backfield as we had before where Xavier was really it to anyone else, he had taken the bulk of every, you know, the reps the whole season. And so um, we knew Sheldon cook was going to have to play and he was a redshirt freshman and he was a teeny little back. And so we went in and I just remember our room saying, let's uh you know let's put let's put 150 as the rushing you know goal and to say that against pittsburgh states you know it's it's is it's tough you know you don't know if you're going to line up and rush for 150 against them ever and 
I, I think we had 175 at half, um, not just not Sheldon alone, but I think we had rushed for like 170 or 175 at the first half. So we were pretty, we were all pretty excited for how that game went. It was pretty unbelievable. Yeah, and I th- it didn't it didn't Mike Peterson even line up in the backfield? Yeah, in oh, that even game? everybody. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was, and so it was laughable. I mean, and I don't think anybody knew we were going to come in and do it at that level. But just for us to, you know, for us to be able to run the ball, I think we ended up rushing for like two fifty or two forty five or something. Mm-hmm. Um, two forty seven. So. Yeah, pretty impressive. Two forty seven. So, but it would, you know, just laughable because, you know, nobody without Xavier, you just don't expect to do it. And that kind of just solidified that, man, we're like, we're a whole football team. I mean, this defense, I don't feel like this 06 defense gets talked about enough. Cause I mean, especially in that game, Pitt was averaging 50 points a game, almost 500 yeah. yards offense a yeah. game. And I mean, to do that to them, yep. um, you know, and, and all the other great performances, I mean, you guys. No, no, they were a fun, they were fun. I mean, there was some. They were just tough. It was a different brand, you know, because Troy was gone and Adam Long was gone. And um, we had a guy transfer in from um, from northern Colorado, Thomas Smith and mm-hmm. Mike. And he was unbelievable. So we just there was some people that nobody knew about that. They were man. They just hit people so much. And we had two big safeties. I think Al Foster Reddick was playing then and then. Um, there was another big safety back there um, that just, they just smacked people. So yeah, they were just so physical um, that if we could get some points on the board, it was going to be a dog fight for sure. Well, you guys, you know, round off against, you know, big win at Baptist and Bolivar. I mean, what's the confidence level like going into the playoffs? Yeah, it's, it, it's where we know we're the best team in the country. So that was, we felt that way. You know, we set out with that being the goal. We were going to walk, you know, the crazy part about that Baptist game was a lot of people got hurt in that, um, just dinged up. And I only played, I think I only played the first three series of that game. Um, again, just kind of shoulder issues and stuff like that. So it just, once we got rolling, we pulled everybody out and kind of let that one go. Um, but got a lot of young guys in, in that one. So knew obviously that we were going to, post playoff games and stuff like that kind of moving forward. So yeah. Playoff games good. in Maryville are always a good, <laughs> that's a pretty good <laughs> right. formula. We kind of know how that's going to go. Right. Exactly. Well, you guys go with the, with the infamous do it for the kids game, you know, Midwestern <laughs> state shutting them out. Um, that's one you of know. the great all time moments with, you know, coach T and, and uh, it was the right call, but he did yes. get him to change it. But that's <laughs> yeah, legendary. He's the only one to ever get one changed Mm -hmm. as as far Mm -hmm. as I know. Well, Um, no, go ahead. Sorry. No. Yeah. I just, that's, I, it was the the funny part. I know we talked about before that game that it was the first time they were going to use, you know, some replay stuff too. And that was, you know, for that to play out like that was just crazy. Well, next week it's, it's Shadron state. And then there's, you know, from a fan's perspective, there was a lot of Danny Woodhead, Xavier Oman. Of course, all of us were, were pretty, um, you know, Bearcat fans were pretty partial to Xavier. And, uh, you know, it's the 16 carries for 16 yards. I mean, he had a little success catching the ball. But um, was was that an extra – I know it was for the defense, but you guys in the offense, was there some extra motivation to make sure, you know? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, we just – 
and we saw the numbers too, obviously. And um, just wanted to walk into that game and improve who we were, you know, and that our brand of football was better. And obviously we, I think we were up pretty big at Harrow. It was 21 something at half. And then they, you know, they got a couple scores later, but um, we felt like the crazy part about that game was the field was frozen solid and they had to plow it twice. If I remember right. And that's no, that was the next year. Mm-hmm. Nope. That, the, that was this in year Chadron. Was, yeah. Yeah. That was the one in Chadron. This one was just, no. Yeah. It was just, I think Danny was just starting to get his name really, really out there. Cause he was back to back runner mm-hmm. up. Right. Mm-hmm. Or he won it both he years. He won it both years. Yeah. yeah. So I think from our perspective, just showing who we were was a big deal <laughs> in that one. They were tough though. I remember them and Bloomsburg who we played the next week, like they all walked off the bus. They were all like the same size. Like every person on their team was like six, one, like two sixty. And the, whether they were linemen or linebackers, they were all that size and they just hit you. Um, so they played a really physical brand of football, but it was different. Um, and definitely, you know, we wanted to show that Xavier was the dude. So, well, next week, semifinal in Maryville again. We know how this goes, but you guys put a pretty good beating on on Bloomsburg and and uh, on a Sunday afternoon. That was always kind of a head scratcher to me. Even after all of these years, it was such yeah. so weird to have a semifinal so on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> it was it was a weird game. It was a weird yeah the whole thing about it and. They were better than 33 to three. Um, they were, they were a tough football team. I just, we, Xavier was the the factor in that one. Uh, we ran some, some tackle trap stuff and did some things that got him out, but he just, he was different than probably anybody they'd played against out there. I mean, coach T said after the game, this team was on a mission. I mean, you guys were, so it's grand Valley again, obviously, we we know what happens another another close game leading the fourth quarter and and uh, you know turnovers things happen Grand Valley yeah. wins again. Um, what what was which one was worse? Which one hurt more? Or did is there one? Oh five yeah, or six? Um, if I'm being honest with you, I five still hurt worse um, just because it was in our hands. You know I. Six was like, we lost that as a team still. And we didn't, you know, six, we didn't put up any points. And that was the frustrating part was um, our defense still balled out. And though we were holding the lead, we were holding because our defense was just unbelievable. And they had, you know, they had some good offensive players. Um, But we just, we could not get it going, you know, offensively. So it was frustrating from an offensive line perspective in 06, but, Oh, five, it just felt more magical. I, you know, the run that we were on, but you know, 2006, it felt like, man, we just, we didn't get it done offensively. So, you know, for me to <laughs> my senior year, that's to walk off the field that way. Just that was the part that hurt was we just didn't feel like we, we got, and it wasn't, it wasn't for lack of anything except just we, you know, that was probably where coach T had said, Oh, line wise, like we just couldn't, we couldn't compete. They had McFadden as that D lineman. Um, I think we were down an offensive lineman in that game and or two. And um, 
yeah, they just, they were, they were good. And so it was more frustrating than it was anything. So we just, we didn't get much done offensively and that we had put in a good offense for it. I mean, coach, I know Doral really developed a check system because they had two safeties the year before that could come down and they could play. And so we, we kind of, that's where the check system really got built from as we move forward, you know, that ran in Maryville forever you know, that wristband check system that they developed was a lot because of Grand Valley. Um, and so just didn't get that one done. Well, and and uh, obviously, you know, you mentioned the 43 consecutive starts. That's pretty incredible. I mean, for anybody at O-line just to, you know, to go out there for 43 straight games, impressive. Um Talk, tell me about your rivalry with that defense. I mean, you're going up against them, not just 06, but I mean, just throughout your time. I know the defense always had a rivalry with Xavier, but how did yeah. that uh, translate for you, for you, O lineman? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, we had edgier players on defense. So, you know, they could, they could, they lived life differently, you know, than even offense did. And I, I think we, we overachieved probably more on offense at times with what we had, you know, some of, and that's how that place has always been or always had been, you know, when Doral was there, Doral believed he could get everything out of us. So, you know, they would get offensive linemen that maybe weren't the, you know, the top tier guys and they knew that they were going to get them in their weight room and develop them and, and turn them into some, you know, something. And then, defensively I think that's where you know they would spend a little more money and they would get some some guys that would really come in and dominate football games and so we were always kind of that you know I you know probably different from Lamberson's perspective and Xavier's perspective but we offensive line we were always you know we were always underpaid and you know guys <laughs> that just Doral was getting us you know as much as he could get out of us you know and that's we loved that though you know, and it was, we'd line up and we'd play against the best defense every day and it made us better every day for it. So, um, but it was definitely, it was, it was a rivalry. And that's what I remember about the Grand Valley game. That last one in 06 was, you know, that was the most frustrated I'd seen our defense. Cause it's just not, you don't turn on each other and it's not like they turned on us, but we, it was the first time I felt like we let them down, you know, and we didn't feel, we didn't hold up our end of the bargain. So that was, you know, that was where the, the rivalry kind of died for me. Cause it was like, man, we got here and like you guys did it and we didn't. And so uh, that was, that was probably the worst feeling and the worst part about that game. Well, there's, there's, I'm going to get goofy again here. There's a, a interesting quote. I don't, I don't remember if it was AD or, or maybe Bostwick. I don't remember, but the deck chairs on the Titanic. <laughs> I don't remember much about that. So you feel, yeah. <laughs> refresh no, my memory was, here. No, I, well, that was, that's usually how AD would talk about, you know, if, if guys were getting too big and you'd come in and we'd be talking about weight loss and if he was ever going to take a shot at you, he'd tell you, he'd tell you that's a lot like throwing the deck furniture off the Titanic. So I mean, didn't do a whole lot of good. <laughs> so if he was going to take a shot at you, that was how it was going to come. And we, you know, when I started my GA there, we, we started keeping the Doralisms and there was about a hundred of them on a sheet by the end of it of stuff like that, that just, you wish you still had it. You wish you had all of them to this day because they were ridiculous, but well, it usually came with a little bit more verbiage and some bad words mixed in. Right. So it was, 
Uh, well, one one other thing, one one <coughs> lineman we haven't talked about is Keith Holden, who might be um, my one of my favorite linemen. I had uh, catfish. Yeah, <laughs> I had casting and angling with Gus, and I yep. had it with Keith Holden. He's the only person I've ever seen catch a fish and do a touchdown dance yeah. and mock all yep. of the rest of us. You got any good good uh, Keith stories that you uh, can tell on here? Man, you know I don't. I loved Keith. He uh, he just was such a his heart was so pure for football, um, and he, we did. We called him Catfish, and he actually. He'd caught a bass his first like week at in Maryville. He caught it out at Mazingo and he grew it in his fish tank <laughs> until the day he left. Like he just kept feeding it and that thing would jump out of his fishbowl and uh. out of his tank and stuff. But no, he just he was absolutely what you saw was what he was. He was such a character. He was, you know, he listened to these old tapes. He didn't have a CD player. You know, he he was he wasn't well off, so he had this tape player, and he'd listen to some '80s like pump up music, and just I roomed with him, you know, quite a bit. So I, you know, I loved him. He was at my house a lot. One of those guys that, you know, you know, he would have died for anything. Like that was the great thing about him. Um, he'd he'd lay it on the line for sure, but just a fun character. I never heard that bass story. That is that's oh, yeah. one of my favorites. That go that's in the Hall of Fame of, of on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just telling you. But it was actually pretty big by the end of it. He'd grown that thing. It was he just would see how much he could eat. He just keep feeding it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So obviously you, you stick around, be a grad assistant. Was coaching something you always wanted to do, or did that kind of did that kind of develop during your time at Northwest. Yeah, no, I, you know, I kind of went back to the high school thing. I was, you know, my high school mentor, coach Johnson and, um, then coach Tatum, like I was going to be a coach. I just, I figured I'd be back and be a high school coach that I had never even really thought about college coaching. Um, and then I just fell in love with, you know, the culture building and the, the room building, you know, that's, if anything, that's what I've kind of hung my head on in this profession is, is building the room um, so that everybody in there, you know, everybody's a reflection of the five and we play for each other. We eat together. We do all this stuff and, you know, that big guys are supposed to do and, you know, fish together and all that stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's a different brand and Doral was a different, you know, he was a different brand. He was a guy that he'd play video games with the guys and he'd hang out. And that was something I'd never seen before. And, um, you know, he was at my wedding and, you, you know, we were friends by the end of it. And that's what I tried to have, you know, I've tried to offer up as we've moved on, you know, and, and I've grown into this profession is, you know, there's a way to coach where you can befriend people and just make them better humans along the way and still teach them how to play football, teach them, you know, that they, they'll play harder just because of how much they love you and stuff like that. And so that was the piece I fell in love with. Um, it's also what extended my career um, in college because year four rolled around and they told me I was going to have to miss a spring to go student teach and that was not acceptable. So I switched my major um, to corporate rec so that I wouldn't have to go student teach, which set me back about a year of school. Um, so it wasn't very smart on my part. To, um, but I did that. And so we got, you know, undergrad finished and then started my master's there and I actually my my GA wasn't with football the first year my GA was with the student athlete success center 
and I was I was the student athlete success re, uh, supervisor. So I was in charge of of kind of the liaison between students and faculty and grade checks and all that stuff, which was very very you know interesting because of what my academic path was. Um, you know, getting into school and being a partial qualifier and all that stuff and, you know, learning how to do time management and all that stuff was a huge piece of of my growth at Northwest. So, Well, and I mean, you, you're still, you're there on staff in 09 when the streak's finally broken, win a national championship. Were, were you glad that you had stuck around so you could be part of that 09 team? Yeah, no, I mean, everybody, everybody that I coached with, played with, GA'd with, you know, I, they walk in still to this day, they're sitting on my desk and the, the 09 championship ring. And I'm the only one that has one, you know, that, you know, from the group and the guys that I played with from 05, you know, 04, 05, 06. And, um, I'm, yeah, I'm so happy I was there and I got to coach some unbelievable people along the way. And, you know, Doral gave me a lot of responsibility as we went and, and really taught me stuff. So it was, you know, having a third season of being there was was really, really great in my development and uh, kind of solidified my path going. But I, yeah, it wouldn't have been good, you know, if, if I didn't get out of there with one. So I was pretty happy <laughs> to finally get that one. So then you move on, go to Hastings College and the NAIA, and in which you were there for five years, offensive <clears throat> coordinator for four. You even do what I think a little indoor football maybe during the off seasons yeah yeah it was that was you know that was the fun growing kind of it was like the childhood of coaching you know I got I went there and coached for a head coach that uh, he he didn't have any hand in football and I didn't know what I was doing so I was you know I got to literally draw plays in the dirt and do stuff that was fun and cool and um just had the time of my life and then yeah there was an indoor football team that was playing um about 25 minutes away and the guy that coached receivers for me at Hastings actually was the offensive coordinator at this indoor team. So when we would go there, we would flip roles. So I would work for him there and he would work for me at Hastings. So it was, it was just a lot of fun. Um, again, it was just a young time. We didn't have kids running around that much yet. And, um, just, you know, the cool thing about the IFL games was I was getting to coach people, my starting line was like three-year starter at UCLA, you know, starter at Memphis, starter at Virginia. So, like, I was getting to coach some guys that I'll never get to coach in my life, um, which was pretty awesome um, to get to kind of spend time with those guys and, and do stuff with that. But Hastings was a great stop, you know, learned football. I learned, you know, got humbled, learned I wasn't as organized and winning isn't as easy and all that stuff and and had a really good time doing that. Well then, you know, talk about you know, talk about your relationship with Lambo. Obviously, we know that you're coaching together again now, but that first time at Carney, he called you know, he calls <clears throat> you up and and go there. What you know, was it a no brainer to go coach with him? Yeah, I was ready to go. Um, I felt like I'd kind of maximized what I could do at Hastings, and my heart is in Division Two. Like I don't have any, I don't have a desire to climb from here. I love Division Two football. I love you know, taking the underdogs. I love taking the undersized guys. I love taking the big guys that have flaws and, you know, teaching them how to play and win. Um, so when he called, that part was a no brainer. Uh, you know, again, we just, we see football, you know, not the game of football. We see 
you know, the teaching of football the same. It's just what people can learn from it, you know, making guys the best version of themselves, holding, you know, holding guys to standards, teaching them how to have confidence, how to, you know, have positive body language, all those things that, you know, are going to help them in life. Like that's what we see in the game of football. And um, we'd both been places that, you know, where we weren't on, we weren't the leaders, you know, he had been, he'd been down at, you know, a not quite as successful Oklahoma team. And I'd been at Hastings and, um, you know, when you coach for people that, that don't see that game that same way as you, you want to surround yourself with guys that see it the same way. Um, so that was, you know, that was it. And he took the job and, um, I was up there the day he, you know, the day he was introduced and, um, it was a great experience. You know, he, he learned a lot as a first time head coach, obviously. And, you know, we, we probably went about it a naive and slow way. You know, people want to win a lot faster than, than they used to, you know, that we weren't going to have the, you know, the five year, four years of grace that, you know, coach T did whenever he went, he went through it. We were, then I think we were prepared to do it that way. Cause that's what we learned, you know? So well, and of course, he goes to dabbling with AD. You end up going up to Winona State, where you were for several years. How how did that come about, and what was that experience like up there? Yeah, so um, coach at Winona had called me a couple times, actually, while I was at Hastings, and that was a connection that I'd had um, just through life and, and through there. And um, it wouldn't – I went up and interviewed, actually, four years prior, and – it was a bad cold day and our one-year-old had croup and it just, the experience was horrible um, all the way around. So my wife hated it and, you know, all that. So we weren't going to move to Minnesota and, you know, then it came open again and they called. And then, so when it, when it was open this time, um, something just felt right, you know, felt better about it. And we were in a different place in life and, you know, where our kids, you know, it's beautiful up there. There's rivers and, bluffs and all that stuff and so we we were excited to get up there and so we went up and it was five years of just great life um coach sawyer is a hall of fame coach up there finished with 200 wins in his career Uh, coaching for a guy that had been a head coach for 25 years was one of the you know my as i'm turning 40 this year it's one of i think it's going to be one of the more monumental parts of my life is getting to be with a guy that had been a head coach for that long. Um, and he taught me some really, really great things about, you know, the balance of life and family. And there's not a better human in the world to coach for than him when it comes to raising a family. Um, so, you know, that's, that's parts, you know, things that I was clear with when I took this job is, you know, he, he taught me, you can still win a lot of football games and, and spend time with your family and your wife and go to football games and do all that stuff that you want to do with your kids. And um, so whenever, when Josh called, you know, about this one again, um, I just kind of made sure we were all on the same page because it is, it's a big part of my life now. Well, and a neat was that to get to, you know, the opportunity last year ago in February that, uh, you know, to get to coach with, with Lambo again. Yeah, you just don't get the chance to redo it. Um, and I don't think we would apologize for anything that we did at Kearney. It just, we, again, we just didn't, we didn't know the execution path. We had good intentions. We did what we wanted. 
um, there was only 14 guys on the second year at Kearney that were on the, from the first season. Like we basically went in there and <laughs> got rid of everybody and flipped it and did what we wanted. And um, so when we got here, it was different. You know, we, we said, we're going to coach what's here. We're going to love them and see who belongs here. So we went like a full year before we really started pushing and, and digging. And then, you know, we made some tougher cuts this spring, um, but just we, we were much more intentional with our time and effort uh, in terms of building the way we wanted to build it here. So, um, but he's in a different place. You know, he went down and he got to spend time with Coach Doral a second time. You know, he got to spend Coach with Doral as a, as a player, you know, in GA, but to go down there and work as his coordinator and learn from him in that, that situation. And then I got to go spend time with a veteran head coach. And so it's uh, – it's phenomenal. It's been a great experience. And now he's brought in Greg Jones, who's an old Northwest guy, mm-hmm. um, hall of fame, Missouri high school coach, you know, coach. And it's just, it's, it's a good feel. It's a good fit. Um, so we're, it's, it's been fun. You know, it's been a really exciting. I think he built the staff in a type of way that's going to have some longevity. It's going to be a really good, good experience. Now you mentioned your family, your your wife Danny, who you met at Northwest, and yeah. uh, and, and your kiddos. Kind of tell me, three kids, right? Two sons three and a daughter. Them. Yep, one. Yep. So the oldest one will be eleven this next month, and then a seven and a five. And um, yeah, it's you know we've they've gotten accustomed to the coaching life, but we've you know we've tried to protect them through the process. I've had to move twice where we were apart for six months, and that's the tough part of the business uh, is, you know, you have to go somewhere usually before your family gets to, but this one got us closer. You know, my, my dad doesn't live in Sedalia anymore, but we're, we're only about an hour and a half, two hours from him. And my wife has family here. So it, it, it's a great fit for our family. And again, just being back, back in the MIAA, you know, it's no matter where I've been, you know, this is where it is. And, this is the best football that there is. And, you know, to come back here and try to get this thing going with some, some people that I love and, you know, again, have my family here and, and engulf kind of in the same, you know, have to have my son growing up kind of in the same area that I grew up in is really crazy right now. It's kind of hard to get my head wrapped around. Um, and then I'm starting to see, you know, people that I graduated with their kids coming to camp and stuff like that. So it's it, all of it's kind of surreal right now. Are your kids into into sports? They playing anything yep. this summer? Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, I'm, I don't know if it's good or bad, but <laughs> Hayden, uh, the eleven year old, is unfortunately he looks like me, talks like me, acts like me. Um, so he's his future is pretty much destined for offensive line play. Um, but he is obsessive about football, um, loves basketball, so he's he's that. And Lolo is our girl, the middle one. And she, she's going to be something. She's got enough fire and vinegar and all that stuff in her. So she's just kind of figure out what she likes, but right now she does everything. And then our little guy just, he's the one that got all the crazy. And I think that's how the third one goes. So if we can, if we can keep him moving, he'll be, he's going to be a fun one as he grows up. Well, and is, have you noticed <clears throat> being, once you became a parent, does that help you? In, in the coaching aspect of things? Yeah. I mean, you know, I want guys when they walk out of my room, no matter how they much they played or whatever, I want them to go out and be great husbands and, 
you know, dads and all that stuff. And, um, my kids are around and you know, that's, that's a part, you know, that Lambo's, he has two of them and they're the, you know, they're pretty close to the same age as, as mine. And so there's times you come out at practice and his son's hanging from the goalpost and his daughter's doing, she's a phenomenal gymnastics person. So she's just doing backflips and cartwheels across the field. And, um, so, and then my little people are running around we've got, we've kind of built our staff with that. We got a bunch of them. So it's, it's the, the part of life that we're all in together right now. And it's fun. Um, you know, and there's times that we got to line up and we got to grind still. We shut it all down and everybody goes home and we go into the offices and we work late into the night. And that's, you know, that's part of the job too, but to include them and include, you know, let our family see that side of us. That's a huge deal um, for us. Awesome. Well, well, Joe, the last thing I got for you before I turn you loose is the pick six, just kind of like six <laughs> goofy questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. First question. Were you a superstitious guy? Did you have any pregame rituals, have to wear the same socks, anything like that? Uh, no, I was not. I We listened to the same song before we went out um, to game. When the, when the O-line, D-line got called out, it was the same song every game. But other than that, no, there wasn't a whole lot. Okay. All right. Second question of the pick six. There's a feast in your honor. What's on the menu? Chinese food all day. Nice. It used to be the Mandarin. That was my, mm-hmm. my wife could, she could smell it through the phone. She knew where I was at. <laughs> I miss that place. <laughs> I do. Yep. I don't know that the health inspector does, but I, no, I, I no, didn't, never, I didn't ever read never. any of that stuff because I didn't want to know. Of course, back then no, I had a stomach questions. of steel. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Third question. What is, uh, what is Warrensburg have that's better than anything that's in Maryville? Just as far as the town goes. No, the food here is so much better. There's a lot of, Warrensburg is actually pretty developed, especially, you know, it's grown quite a bit since I was here. So now there's, there's a lot of good restaurants There's steakhouses and there's, you know, Zagsby's and some fun, you know, places like that. All right. You, you talked about, um, fourth question of the pick six, you talked about AD and his, you know, Doralisms. Do you have any, do you have a Holtzclaw ism or any Holtzclaw isms? I don't think so. I, you know, I would tell you this story, you know, and it's, it's kind of when your wife realizes what you actually do for a living, you know, when I was in Hastings and, you know, just building the offensive line room. And like I told you, I loved that so much. And, we had over the first group, uh, you know, of guys that we'd ever had over and we feed them every year. We do all that stuff like everyone else. And, you know, my wife decides it's going to be cute. She comes in and she's like, all right, let's go around and everybody tell their, their best story about coach Holtzclaw. And I had an all American tackle and he's the only one that had kind of mustered up enough courage to really talk to me the way that you'd talk to a coach when you're an all American, but he raised his hand and he said, well, he did tell me good job one time. <laughs> and I think that that was such an eye-opening thing for my wife because she thinks I'm just so nice and huggy to these people, <laughs> like to these linemen. <laughs> so he did tell me good job once. And that was so she never asked that again. We don't have those moments anymore. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That's great. <laughs> All right. Fifth question of the pick six. What was the first concert you ever went to? Oh, it was uh, REO Speedwagon. And um, 
Yep, I know it was REO Speedwagon because there was at State Fair, which was, there was always a ton of concerts there. Mm-hmm. I figured I figured you went to some good ones being yeah, from Sedalia. I, so. I think I was like 16. It was where I saw the first shirt get lifted at a concert too. It was great. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> all right, last question of the pick six, number six. Do you have a favorite Coach T story? I mean, there's a million of them, I'm sure, but any um, one come to mind? Man. Coach T was, you know, I don't just because, you know, Coach T was like a savior for me in the terms of his program. Like I just, the parts we skipped through my, you know, through my story was I almost, you know, I failed out twice and had to battle my way back and, and did some stuff academically. And he just kept, he just kept, you know, plugging and kept me moving along. So he's, he's always been up there. Um, I do laugh. We did used to talk like there's times that he gets into modes where he shakes people's hands and he'll ask how you're doing, but he'll walk by before you answer him. So <laughs> there was a, there was a time as GAs where we would walk by him and he'd, he'd say, how are you doing, Joe? And we just stopped answering him. And we wanted to see how long we could do that before he would notice that we weren't answering whatever he asked us, how we were doing <laughs> So that was, that would be the only time, you know, that would be the only thing I'd make fun of him about, but I love him. He was, he was awesome. That's great. Well, Joe, man, I, I certainly appreciate your time. You've been very generous with it and, and, uh, if, if enjoyed it and, and maybe we'll get yeah. to do it again down the road sometime. No, it's awesome. I appreciate you doing this. I think just getting everybody tied back together and, and, you know, reliving stuff is part of what keeps that place alive. So I think thank you a lot, Matt, for doing that. And thanks for your support all, you know, through the years. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Thank you once again to Joe Holtzclaw for coming on and uh, got to you know get a mule on here. I know that's tough, but but uh, having Joe on, listen, it's good stuff. I knew he was going to deliver. I knew he had, one he had lots of stories. Two, he could tell really great stories. We have some mutual friends, and although I'd never spoken to Joe before, um, I reached out to him. He immediately said yes, which was fantastic. And uh, anyway some good stuff there. There's a lot of great stories, by the way, that we couldn't tell on the podcast. You know, Bearcat football 20 years ago was different than Bearcat football in 2023. I'm just saying. It's uh, good stuff, though. Lots of uh, lots of great stuff on there. Coming up next week, Mike Peterson. Oh, I'm so excited about that one. He is, he's got to be at the top of my list on Bearcat tight ends. And uh, it's a good one. His, his route to Northwest 2 is pretty cool. A walk-on guy that... Tr- random tryout anyway it's good stuff so stay tuned for that coming up next week and uh one thing i do want to say is again a genuine thank you for being a part of this podcast there's a few different things that you can do if you'd like to help contribute to this thing and help me grow there's some things that that you can do whatever different options one of which is something i brought up last week is i have started a venmo for the podcast bleeding green podcast and if if you feel so inclined if you would like to feel free to uh you know help me offset the costs of doing this podcast not 
We're not even talking traveling to games and all that. Listen, I would going to do that stuff anyway, so I don't even figure that in. But there's a lot of costs and things like that that are associated. Something I kicked around for a while. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it, but I, I want to be clear about a couple of things. One is it's not required, and you don't really you don't receive anything extra. It's not, uh, you know, it's not some subscription. It's not, you know, you're not getting bonus content. Um, you know, it's not a Patreon thing, anything like that. It's just, if you would like to donate, help me offset some of the costs that come along with this podcast, that would be great. If, uh, you know, just, just a one-time thing. That's all I'm looking for. Once a year, I will mention it from time to time. But, again, it's not required, and I, do, you know, I don't want to, you know, put you on the spot or anything like that. But if you would like to, Venmo seems to be the easiest way to do that. So I have started a Venmo. And if there's enough interest, maybe I can start some other places too. I may, there's a QR code that I may be sharing on, on social media um, as well to, uh, to do that. But don't feel like you have to. I'm still going to put out all of the content that I do. Again, no pressure. But if you would like to, that would be spectacular. But there's other things that you can do that don't cost anything except a little bit of your time. Obviously, you can subscribe to the podcast. I would definitely encourage that so you know when a new episode is coming out, whether you do that through whatever avenue that you listen to the podcast through, whether it's Spotify or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or I like good pods. I've actually been listening to more podcasts recently. Nothing to do with football. <laughs> actually, old school wrestling podcasts because like the Attitude Era, Monday Night Wars, that, that's kind of my thing. Love that. Uh, anyway, sidebar there. But uh, wherever you listen to the podcast through, if you can leave a five-star review, if you can give a thumbs up, you can leave some kind of review, something like that, would definitely encourage that as well. And that is greatly appreciated. You want to share anything on social media? Bleeding Green Podcast is the Facebook group if you would like that. And then also make sure you're following. I also post things in the one of the Bearcat fan groups as well. Um, but it would encourage you. It definitely helps out. More people will see the posts and things like that. Now, Twitter, and I listen, I know it's X, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get on the grumpy train here. That's what we're gonna call it. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a grumpy old man about this. I know it's X. I'm gonna call it Twitter because I'm gonna do that. And sometimes I'll correct myself, sometimes I won't, whatever. I'm going to say retweet when I really mean re-share or whatever it is now. I don't know. It's it's confusing. I have to learn a whole different vocabulary. And <clears throat> although, as, as you know, if you've listened for very long, I try to stay pretty positive. I'm not going to be. We're just going to go on a rant about this. I'm not thrilled with all of the changes. You will not see underscore bleeding, underscore green on X, ever have the blue check mark. It's more of a principle thing at this point. I'm just not going to do it. That means if you're not following, you're probably not going to see the retweets or whatever, reposts, reshares, whatever they're called now. You get it. All right. So no, I know I'm not sounding very hip. I understand that. I don't care. It's uh, it's a, it's a sore subject with me. A lot of changes recently have over the last few months have not made me particularly happy with my 
Twitter slash X experience. So anyway, but I'm still on there. It's honestly one of the ways that I kind of keep track of, uh, you know, recruits and all kinds of stuff. So I've, I've been some retweets lately. We got some new commits from the 2024 senior class already. Um, I've also retweeted about Sean Bain. He's killing it up in Canada. He's with the Saskatchewan this season. So um, anyway, I always like to share stuff. By the way, or a really good underrated episode of the podcast with him from last year, from 2022 in the off season was uh, good stuff, man. And he's a more recent guy. You know, some, some guys, you know, the memory kind of fades of games and things. He's got a pretty good memory on that stuff. And, uh, you know, he's, he's one of those guys out there doing his thing in the, uh, you know, trying to, trying to make it back to the NFL. I think he's had catches back to back 10 plus catch games. And so he is, he's doing awesome. It's great to see when he kind of struggled with uh, play time for Calgary, but when he did play last season, he was very successful. So anyway, love that. Love Sean. I'm a personal fan of his great dude, by the way. And, uh, anyway, go listen to that episode if you haven't listened to it. And there's lots of great episodes that you can go back and listen to. If you, uh, you know, again, just make sure you're following or subscribed or whatever through whatever avenue you listen to the podcast through. Also, you can share the website, bleedinggreenpodcast.com, and uh, all of that good stuff. Again, don't forget, next week, Mike Peterson is next week's episode. Have a great week. Don't forget, be kind, because kindness makes a difference. And as always, go Bearcats. Bearcats.